Thank the Lord. Amen. Aren't you thankful that he's with us day by day? Amen. I'm glad the Lord doesn't go on vacation. I'm not sure what we'd do if he ever did. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be in serious, serious uh, trouble for sure. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8. We've kind of been jetting through. We did all of chapter 7 last week, and we're going to go all of chapter 8 this week. And we're trusting that we're not going so fast as to leave behind truth, but hopefully... Um, we can see, again, the full context of what's going on in uh, this book. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I would especially ask that you'd pray for us. That today is just, I don't know, I, even this morning I just felt like I haven't had clear thoughts, and, and then even tonight still seems like everything's kind of jumbled up. So pray for, for me if you would, that the Lord would help us. Zechariah chapter... A, again, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet be old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff and his, uh, in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of the, this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong. Ye that hear these days, these words, the mouth of the prophets who were in that day the fountain, of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there any peace to them that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one against his neighbor. But now I will not be unto thee the residue of the people as the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. For the seed shall... Be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give her their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah, and the house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, I thought to punish you, when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not. So again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye to every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. 
And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath for all these things that I hate, saith the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore love the truth and peace. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that these shall Come people and inhabitants of many cities and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts and I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of the languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, and saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Father, what a tremendous promise Zechariah received in a day of discouragement. Father, we often walk through days of discouragement, days of difficulty, days of, of clouds, Father, as we, as we walk those paths, would you teach us not to trust in our own strength, but to rely on the promises of God. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I can't say it better than him, and so I'm going to just quote what Max Lucado wrote in his book called The Gentle Thunder. He says, if God had a refrigerator your picture would be on it. If, you, if he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. And whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe. And he chose your heart. Face it, friend. He's crazy about you. Does that sound a little far-fetched to you? Does that seem a little, you know, wow, that's a little over the top? But I don't believe it is. I really don't believe it is. I believe God is crazy in love with his people. In fact, I don't mean to sound blasphemous at all this, uh, this uh, evening. I believe there's no uh, blasphemy anywhere close to it. I believe it is, uh, is reality that there is none that is crazier in love than our Lord. I mean, the things that God will do for His people are crazy. I mean, the, the benefits, the blessings that He pours out on His people, the, the, I mean, the, the dew in the morning and the sunrise and the sunset and the leaves changing color. Now, you don't know anything about leaves changing color around here. They get brown. They don't, you guys don't really know. Man, I tell you what, up north, there's yellows and reds and golds. I mean, people... People from, like, from around here come up north and spend their money just to come see our leaves. That's crazy, isn't it? We just rake them up and burn them, but you all pay money, good money to come on up to look at them. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should start you know, uh, importing them in and letting you buy them from me. You won't even have to travel. 
But the Lord paints all of the leaves. And, and, and I mean, this is crazy kind of love. And how many times have you whispered a prayer? Maybe, maybe just a want, maybe not a need, not anything important, not anything that's life-altering. But man, you just you woke up that morning and said, Man, I, I just wish, you know, maybe I would like this to happen or or whatever. And it's not even a prayer. And it happens. I mean, that is amazing. How many times have you thanked the Lord and said, I didn't even pray that. It was a wish. It was just a passing thought. And God, who's the God of the universe, and he's got this Trump impeachment to deal with, he's got the Saudi Arabia thing to deal with in the Middle East, he's got uh, the persecution in China, he's got the growing church in Iran, he's got all these things that are going on in the world around us, and he wants to make sure you get a hamburger because you said, man, I'd like to have a hamburger today. That's crazy. <laughs> I remember... I remember just one time that we were uh, we were newly married. It was our first our first winter, and my coat didn't zip, and my winter coat didn't. And I was up. We were up north, and if your coat doesn't zip up there, that's a problem. But I remember I I, I put on my coat, and and I thought, man, it'd be nice to have a a new coat. It was December, uh, January, I think it was. I think it was January, if I remember right. It was cold out, and. We, we went out door-to-door calling. And I stopped by this house, and we'd been there before. We'd been trying to get them to come to church for a while. They said, come on in. We went in. And they, he, she looked at me. She said, is that the warmest coat you have? I said, yeah. I was kind of embarrassed. She said, I bought my, coat, uh, uh, my son a coat for Christmas. He didn't like it. She says, it's in the dryer right now. If you'll stay long enough for it to dry, you can try it on and see if you like it. She brings out this coat. It not only fit me, but it was exact. If I had unlimited funds, it was the kind of coat I would have purchased. It was the right color, the right style. I mean, it is like grandma went to the store to pick out your coat. Said, come on and let's, let's get you something you want and don't look at the price tag. I was like, Lord, I didn't even pray about a coat. I should have. It was a need. But I just, wow, our God is crazy in love with his people. And I'm sure if I'd give time this evening, you all have similar stories about times that you just said, man, it would be nice, or I wish this would happen, and and not a prayer. And God just does it. You remember from last week that the, all this discourse started because these people came that wanted to talk about whether they should keep this fast or not. And God has, of course, dealt, never gave them the answer. He gives the answer, actually, in our passage. I don't know if you're paying attention, if you remembered from last week. I know Dean doesn't. Dean doesn't remember last, from last week. But the rest of you, hopefully somebody will remember Dean's gotten it twice, both services. I got better be careful. But there was this, this question about fast, and God, God went into talked about other things, and, and now he's still talking about other things, but eventually he gets to the answer. And we'll get there, but I just want I just want you to understand God's not ignored the question. 
But sometimes the things that we ask God aren't really the important thing. And God wants us to, as he is in this chapter, he just wants us to realize what he cares about. And the first thing that I noticed is that God wants to dwell with us. He wants to dwell with us. He said, you know, I'm going to build this city and we're going to have the, the Jerusalem's going to be full of people and, and it's going to be a, a wonderful place. It's going to be a, a, right now it's kind of in ruins. You, you've built some houses up. The walls aren't built. The temple's not finished yet. We're working on it. But we don't even really have a city. We don't have walls yet. But I want to tell you something, and people, I, I, I want you to know that I'm so excited about this, and, and I'm going to dwell here with you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the temple being finished, and, and I want you to know that this is going to be a place where the old people are going to be able to go on leisurely strolls through the park. The old man and the old woman are going to be able to be in the street, and they're going to have their staff in their hand. That's their cane, in case you're, you're missing out here. There's not any old people like that in Jerusalem right now. There, the, so many had been killed in the captivity, and, and there were those that were too old and too fragile stayed up behind. There's no old people there. And so there's, and do you know that one of the important things about a, to know whether a city is a good place to live is whether there's old people feel comfortable walking around. And there's old people when we're on their canes in town and they're safe and they're comfortable. And not only that, but there's going to be children, boys and girls. I think it's interesting that the Lord said boys and girls playing in the streets, laughing and laughter in Jerusalem and children carrying on. When's the last time you let your child play in the streets? We don't let our children play in the streets because it isn't safe. The, the cars are, people don't pay attention. People drive too fast. Friends of ours back in Pennsylvania lost a, a child in a parking lot, was hit by a car and, and the sadness that goes with that. But the Lord says that he's going to so inhabit the place that children are going to be, feel comfortable playing ball, playing, playing uh, uh, I don't know what all they're going to do, playing army, playing what, uh, dolls, whatever they're doing. They're going to play them in the streets and there's going to be laughter and there's going to be joy. And what that tells me is that where God is, there is safety. There is safety. I remember we moved into the city and we no sooner moved in, I, I don't remember if it was, the same, it was the same week for sure, there was a shooting like a block or two from our, where we moved. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You would never live in a place like that. But the Lord called us to that place, and we're in the middle of a city, it's dangerous. And I told you before, there, someone had been stabbed out just outside of our church one time, and and so the blood was so bad that, that we, were, we couldn't get to church. The fire department had to hose off the street and the sidewalks. I, and you, we're, we're moved into this town. 
Isn't that exciting? And do you know, one, one day, Eliana, I don't know how old she was, probably two. I think she was two at the time. Trisha needed to go over to the church, and she, she left, and Eliana totted on behind her, and Trisha didn't know. She was busy about what she was doing, and she thought Eliana was staying there with me. Well, I thought Trisha had Eliana. It seemed to make sense to me. And so she thought I had her, and I thought she had her. And Eliana went out the door, and she was outside in this very dangerous city. In front of our house at the time was a one-way street that had two lanes, and it was one of the, the main thoroughfare through that city to go, I believe it was east and west. And so you could only go west on that one, of course, but anyhow. You, ha- you traveled down that road, and, and, uh, and it was dangerous. And I don't know what happened, but I, I don't know. I, something, and I don't know, maybe it was Dennis. Someone said, you know, maybe you ought to check on Eliana, make sure she's all right. And so I, I went outside, and the neighbors had found her wandering in the alley. And they kept her until someone got her. It was a dangerous place. Very dangerous. And if there, if there had been any, any ability of uh, any awareness on, her, on Trisha's part or my part, Eliana never would have been in that situation. Certainly not at two. But the Lord, but the Lord kept her safe. And what I'm just trying to help us understand is the Lord likes to dwell amongst His people. All the places for the Lord to live, and He wants to live in the temples that are not made by man's hands, but, but the, our flesh. And pretty soon, I, sooner than we'd like to admit, it's going to be Christmas time, and, and we're going to be talking about Emmanuel, God with us, and, and, and the, just the reality that God wants to be with His people. And do you know what? When we realize how great God is and, and how much bigger He is than we are, it's like, it'd be like you saying, I'd like to live in an ant colony. We're just, we're, we're, we should be nothing to him, and yet he's made us the crowning jewel of his creation. And that just amazes me tonight. Just amazes me as I, as I marvel at a God who says, I'm not, not only do I want to dwell with them, but I want to be with them. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to become like them. And, and Jesus is going to take on the form of human flesh. He's, he's, going, to, he's going to come as a baby. And, and he's going to have to wear a diaper. And, and he's going to have to be dependent on his mother and a father. And, and how is that possible that God, the God of this universe, would choose to become so weak and so vulnerable? And yet, Zechariah tells us that God delights in dwelling in the midst of his people. And the Lord wants to dwell in your life. He wants to dwell in your home, and he wants to dwell in your heart, and he wants to dwell in your mind. He wants to dwell with his people. 
The Lord delights in being with His people, but He also delights in our obedience. You know, we talked about it last week, and the Lord just brings it up again. Your fathers disobeyed. The Lord's trying to help these people. Your fathers disobeyed. Your fathers did wrong. And I had to punish them. And, and I didn't want to do it. And, 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 and I sent my prophets. And I, and, I, and I tried to correct them. But I didn't repent of what I did. I didn't change my mind. Because they wouldn't change their behavior. But I want you to know that I delight in your obedience. I have a crazy rule. You might not think it's an important rule, but, and maybe you wouldn't like it, but people who ride in my vehicles wear seatbelts. I don't care if you're 74 and riding in the back and, the, and it's not against the law. You, if you ride in my vehicle, if I'm driving, you have to wear a seatbelt. Not because it's the law, but because I don't know what's ahead. I don't know the dangers, I don't know the disasters, I don't know the problems that are ahead for us. And I have a loved one who didn't have to wear a seatbelt and didn't wear her seatbelt and she was thrown from the vehicle and is in eternity tonight because she didn't wear her seatbelt because the law didn't say she had to. And when I've driven church vans and Tell the young people, buckle up, and they don't like it. Van doesn't go anywhere until everyone's got a seatbelt on. Why? Because obedience to that rule is for their benefit. It's not because I want to control their life. It's not because I want to, to tell you how to live. And I know some people don't think that the government ought to be able to tell them whether they have to wear a seatbelt or not. But you know, if you're going to ride in my vehicle, you're just going to have to wear one. And if I start down at the school, we pick up Kelsey, and, and if I don't have my seatbelt and the wheels are rolling, Kelsey is having a fit because she knows everybody has to have a seatbelt on, especially Dad. It's not, be, and it's not because of control. And it's the reason why you require obedience of your children if they're still at home or, or if, when they were at home, you required obedience. It wasn't because you just had to be the dictator of your home. It's because you were looking out for the well-being of your children. And they don't like to hear it and they don't necessarily believe it. And probably half of the kids have turned me off by now. <laughs> they don't want to hear this. But when you get to a certain age, you've lived long enough to see what happens when people who don't learn how to be obedient. And you get to a certain age and you start to see the people that go out into eternity, they lose their life because they didn't respect authority and they didn't respect the law. And they didn't respect the rule of the home. a junior in high school we showed up to school one day first class was English 
and we were informed that some of our very own classmates had been out drinking and partying, and they found, got to a curve, and they didn't make the curve, and they hit a tree. One life was lost, and the rest of our friends, we didn't know. They weren't old enough to drink. But even if they were, they weren't supposed to be that drunk. And all five of them had packed into that vehicle. They all made a decision that they didn't need to listen to authority. They didn't need to listen to what anyone had to say. And they did their own thing. And every one of them, it cost them something. Some of them didn't get to play sports that year because they spent the year recovering. Some of them have lifelong health problems because of that accident. And those are extreme cases, but, but what God's trying to help us to understand is He disciplines His children. He disciplines us, but not because He hates us and not because He likes making things hard on us, and it's not because He likes sending trials and tribulations our way, but because He's so in love with us, He's trying to save us from a worse situation down the road. And He delights in our obedience. And so the Lord, when, you, when we do wrong, He corrects us. But when, he, when we do right, He blesses and He pours out our, his, his blessings on us. And, and He's hoping that He can reward us enough that, we, that we'll want to do that. And, and may I just pause here? We've got a few parents here. Make sure you reward for obedience. We're programmed to see the wrong in our kids. And my kids would say amen if they were allowed to, but they would die. <laughs> Got to say that real close to Brandon. <laughs> we do. As parents, we see, we see the mess-ups. We see the mistakes. We see, we see every squirm in the, in the pew. We see every, we see every or, or hear every noise that they make. And we're programmed, I think, as parents sometimes. We just see the negative. But that's not how the Lord parents us. He corrects the wrong. And, and we need to do that. We cannot fail to do that. But he blesses and he rewards the good. Well, I don't think my children ought to, uh, ought to be rewarded for good. They should be good for goodness sake. Well, you go to work for work's sake and don't get take a paycheck home. Are you doing that? Are you just want to be a productive member of society and do good and help society out that you're willing to, to do that without a, a paycheck? I'm, I would pastor without pay. Let me just let me back up. The calling in my heart, I certainly would. And we have. But if you're talking about going in, to a job... Man, I just soon stay home if you're not going to pay me. And I've had some jobs, man, it was, they weren't paying me enough for me to stay there very long. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'm talking about the Lord rewards his children for good behavior. 
When we're obedient to him, he pours out a blessing. He tells us, if you'll pay your tithe, I'm going to pour you out a blessing. You aren't even going to be able to hold on to it. My brother told me just yesterday, I called him, it was his birthday, and he, he was saying he, he was preaching on tithing. And the other week, and three people got up and walked out of his church. I said, he, he, so he talked to them, and he said, they, we can't afford to tithe. <laughs> you can't afford not to. At least I can't. I believe God has so rewarded that 10% and plus the offerings. I believe he's, he's paid me back so much over top of that that I would, I'd be terrified to hold on to that 10%. I just would be terrified to hold on to it. Because I don't... I get a lot better deal because God rewards obedience. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you all tie. Well, I don't know that. I don't, I don't, I don't let, I don't want to know that stuff. But I assume it. I assume that. But I'm just talking about as we parent and as we go through life, God delights in the obedience of his children. And as a parent, I delight when my children do right, when, it, when they don't know that I'm watching or it gets back to me. Do you know what your son did? Do you know what your daughter did? And it was a good thing. We delight in that. A few years ago, we had a, a funeral, and we went to the viewing, and the family wanted us at the family viewing. So we, had, we were the first to be there, and we were, there the la- we were the last to leave. And we did that with three, four little ones. I don't remember if Kelsey was born or not, but I mean, we, they were all young enough. And we're sitting there in this long viewing, and kids, these poor kids didn't have anything to do. They were bored out of their mind. And other kids would show up, and they were bad. I mean, they were so bad, the funeral director had to, get, to talk to them a little bit. But not ours. Do you know, on our way home, somehow the van took the wrong turn. And we didn't end up at the house. We ended up at the ice cream shop. You remember that, guys? Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. That van, it just, decided, I mean, when it was supposed to go left, it went right. And it pulled right into that ice cream shop. And we were, since we were there, I figured we ought to get them some ice cream. If the van wanted them to have ice cream, I, what was I to do to argue with the van? I wanted to get home. My kids had showed exemplary behavior when other children who had less of a, an opportunity uh, to be bad, and they took full advantage of it. Mine behaved so well, I wanted them to know that what they, they deserve to earn something because they put in their hours of being good when their friends weren't. And God does that for us. Suddenly, you find, the Lord says, oh, I just dropped a blessing. Where's that? Oh, it landed on the Kelso household. Well, I guess, I'll just, I guess we'll just have to leave it there. Oh, I'll just have to drop this blessing. Oh, I dropped another one. There it is on the Skank household. Well, I've already given it to him. 
He delights in the obedience of his people. Not only does he delight in being with his people and delight in the obedience of his people, but he delights in the joy of his people. Now, I understand the Lord calls us to suffer, but the Lord has a great desire that we would be full of joy, even in the midst of suffering, realizing that our Lord is on the other side of that suffering. Do you know what Jesus tells his disciples on the very night he's going to be crucified? He says that he wanted them to have joy and that their joy might be full. That's a strange time to say that. I mean, that, I mean that, that's like taking your kid in for a whooping and saying, now I want you to have lots of joy. We're going to give you a whooping here first. <laughs> Why are you saying this now as they're about ready to go through one of the most difficult trials of their faith that they will ever face? In fact, Peter will deny the Lord in the midst of this difficult trial. All of the disciples will flee except for John. He'll follow afar off. Because in the midst of our trials, in the midst of, of, of the things that, that, of our suffering and the, and the things that cause us grief and sorrow and pain, in the midst of, of, of all of our agony, the Lord wants His people to have joy. But you know what? We're better at grumbling than praising. We're better at complaining than rejoicing. Sometimes I wonder if we had opened up a service for gripe session instead of testimonies, if maybe we didn't have more participation. I mean, sometimes we've got to pull for the testimonies. You know, at... at the Redwood Camp, they'd ask for testimonies, and nobody would stay, stand up. They'd start calling people out, and the person would get blessed testifying. And I thought, good night. If you were so blessed to testify, why didn't you just get up on your own? This happened four, five, six times. A lot of them happened that way. I just couldn't figure it out. Just stand up and testify if you've got so much inside. If the, Lord, if the Lord's filled your cup so much that all it takes is you standing up for you to spill it out, then stand up already. Because there might be somebody who's going through a battle, who's going through a trial, who's discouraged, who just got some bad news on their way to camp meeting, and they're discouraged a little bit, and they're, and they're trying to hold on to their faith, but, but they don't have the, the joy that they sh they'd like to have. And maybe, maybe if you'd stand up, you might accidentally spill some on them. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And I'll be honest, there's been a many a time I've come to church discouraged and somebody has testified and it's done something for me and it's gotten my, my uh, dry cup, it splashed a little in there and I was so thankful for just a little bit of splash over because I was so dry. And you've been there too, haven't you? You've been blessed by other people. Hell's joy. What if, what if the world, 
What if your co-workers, their salvation depended on whether you were joyful or grumpy? What if that was the only thing that determined the salvation of some of our loved ones? Whether we were people of joy or whether we were people of mumbling and grumbling. Would, our, would the world know us by our joy? You know, Monday, they, you come into work and, and people are talking about their party and they're this and they're that and the other thing. And they say, what did you? Oh, I just did the normal thing. Wouldn't it be wonderful sometime if you'd say, oh, you should have been at our church service yesterday. The Lord really came. The Lord helped our pastor to preach. It was, oh, wow. And the special song, the Lord just blessed our, our, the people that were singing, and it did something for me. You say, you want me to do that to my coworkers? If they can talk about their drinking and their partying, can't you talk about Jesus? <laughs> Man, I, I would be, man, I would be, wouldn't that be just something? If, if, even if it was another brother or sister in the Lord, but, but it, you just said, man, the Lord just came. He delights in the joy of his people. But instead, we, we hold our joy in. And we think about, oh, man, it's Monday. I have to go to work. Man, wouldn't it be exciting if you said, man, it's Monday. I, who, I wonder who I can tell about the church service to. Man, I can't wait to tell them what the Lord did for me in that church service. Oh, I want to tell somebody that the, the Lord came. I want to tell, I want to tell them that, that the Lord spoke to me. That, and they, they might think I'm crazy and I'm hearing voices, but I have joy. You know, we have a song we sing a joy unspeakable and full of glory. But I tell you, it's very rare that I've seen somebody have that much joy. Lots of people can talk about it, but if we get real joy, we can get so blessed that we, can't, we just can't even really talk about it. We don't have the words for it. Now, I know there's times of grief and sorrow. I'm not saying that we don't walk through times of discouragement or depression. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not trying to say that a Christian is always on cloud nine. There's some times that we're under the ground. But you know, even in the midst of great sorrow, there can be a little joy bell. It may not be very loud and it may not be very big, but there can be a little joy bell. That's just a tinkling in there. It's just a tinkling. It's not very noisy. And maybe the roar of the waves of the storm of your life is drowning it out. But you know the storm buoys? The bells on those things only ring in the midst of the storm. They only ring in the midst of the storm. And, and I want to have some joy buoys, some of those storm buoys that, that in the midst of my storms, in the midst of my discouragements, in the midst of the time when the Lord's trying my faith, that the joy bells would ring because the storm is pushing them around. Because the Lord delights to dwell in my, in my little house and in my little heart. I can have joy even though everything seems to be going against me. Man, that clock goes too fast. Next time we get a clock, Brother Gary, I want a slower one. <laughs> Just put my order in. Take it down, all right. <laughs> one more thing. 
Man, if I take that thing down, you guys will never get out of here. <laughs> one more thing. And this is one that, so far, I think all of you just say, you're right on, right on board with me. I think, the, I think the first three we can just get right on board with. Oh, let me, before I go, I just want to tell you this. This is where the Lord tells them. You know those fasts that you've been doing? Fui on those fasts. I want you to turn those into feast. Those times when you used to weep and sorrow over, over, or over going into captivity, I want you to turn those fasts into feast. I want you to take those things, those sad, those sad days, and I want you to turn it into a celebration. You know, I believe that most of our sad days, some of those sad anniversaries that we have on our calendar, I think that we could turn them into celebrations if we'd, if we'd think about it. Day that I lost my dad, it's a sad day, but he, he's in heaven and I can celebrate that that's the day he went home. That, uh, that, that sad day that, that we had that car accident, but, but we can rejoice because we all, got, we all got through it and we're still alive. Oh, that sad day of, of when we found out we had the diagnosis that we didn't want, but, but we can celebrate because God's kept us alive thus far. You know, we could turn our, our, our fasting days, our sorrow days, our weeping days, if we'd use a little bit of imagination and a little bit of joy, we could look at them and we could celebrate them instead of mourn them. I know we have some, lost, some loved ones that didn't make it. And I don't know how to turn those into, into celebrations. And I know there's some, some hard days. But I believe there's a, there's a lot of opportunity to celebrate when we're sorrowing if we just, just look at it from God's perspective. And probably even some of our ones that we can't think of, I'm sure that the Lord has, if we understood His great plan, we could even rejoice in those. So I need to get hurrying. I, I just didn't want to let that go. We've been, I've been building up for two weeks about what to do with that question. The Lord wants them to celebrate, not to be sorrowful. But here's the last one. The Lord delights in our evangelism. He says, I, there's coming a day when people are going to come from other nations. You know those Gentiles you call dogs? They're going to get a hold of you. They're going to get a hold of your clothes. They're going to get a hold. They're not going to let you go. They're going to get a hold. They're not going to let you pull away. They say, tell me about God. I know you've got God. Could you imagine if someone would get a hold of your garment and just say, please, please tell me about Jesus. I know you know about Jesus. Just, I'm not going to let you go until you tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me how to get saved. Oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? But would they come to us? Would they even know that we do about Jesus? These are our people. The reason that the Lord called Israel to be set apart is He wanted to, through them the whole world to hear the message of a God who loves and cares about them. But they, they allowed racism and hatred and pride to get in their way. They allowed fear of their enemies and they allowed their uh, selfishness and, and so many other things to get in their way that they weren't evangelizing. But the Lord says, I delight when you start telling others about me. 
I think there's a reason Ruth is in the lineage of Christ. He's wanting us to know it doesn't matter your background and it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not. I want you to be a part. And oh, I keep, I keep, I know we, we said this last week in this sermon, but it, the Lord repeats it here. It's the, it's the people that are vulnerable that he wants us to reach. You, the people that are hungry and the people that are weak and, and the people that are cast off. And the Lord's calling us. Tell the world about me. So easy to talk about that new boat we got or you know the new car we're driving and all the features it has or that great restaurant in Miami. It's easy to talk about some of these things. But man, have you have you ever found anything better than Jesus? There'll be better cars. If not this year, next year, they'll make a new model. There'll be better features. There'll be better restaurants. But there'll never be anyone or anything better than our Lord. But you know, we're so used to him that I think we've, we get over the newness of it and the excitement of who he is and what he's done for us. And that's why we come together, and that's why we testify, and that's why, why we encourage each other in the Lord, because we, we, want, we need to be reminded anew, this is what God's done for us. And tonight we sang about the promise of heaven, and do you know what it should have done for us? What it should do for us is say, I need to tell somebody who's not going that they can go. That should have been our thoughts. Not, oh, I can't wait to escape my problems. I know I'm looking forward. I know when I sing songs about heaven, I think about being in the very presence of Christ, and, and I look forward to that. But man, I want to bring somebody with me. Man, I want to I say, uh, Jesus, I want to introduce you to this friend of mine. I hope there's a host of people that are going to be in heaven because of some part that I had. Maybe I planted or maybe I watered. Maybe I did get a chance to reap. Whatever the part may be, maybe it was disciple, maybe it was just a kind word, maybe it's just a, a word of encouragement. I don't know. The Bible says that, that we could give a cup of cold water in the name of the disciple and we won't lose our reward. I mean, water's free. And yet, the Lord says there's a reward for that. I want to go to heaven by myself. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know that I'd want to go to heaven if I knew I was going all by myself. I think I'd be awful embarrassed to stand before the Lord. Maybe if I understood how horrible hell is, maybe I wouldn't say that. But I'd just be honest with you this evening. I feel, I'd feel awful awkward that I've been serving the Lord this long and for me to show up and say, heaven, party of one. I don't want that to be my, the case. I don't want that to be the story. I want there to be a host and a multitude. And maybe I didn't win them all, but maybe I encouraged them when they were about ready to give up. 
Or maybe, or maybe it was when they were in a time of need that, that we gave money or gave support or, or whatever the case might be. I want heaven to be populated by people I had an influence, a positive influence on. Because the Lord delights in our evangelism. God's doing something in our midst. I believe that with all my heart. God is doing something in our midst. He's dwelling with us. He's wanting to meet with us in our services. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the Lord is delighted by our obedience as we walk in obedience to Him. I believe that He, is, he delights in our joy. But I really believe all of that is so that we can become the evangelist that we're supposed to be. The Lord's crazy about us. Our picture's on his refrigerator. Our photo is in his wallet. This fall, he's going to paint a leaf just for you. On the morning... In the morning and the sunrise, Brother Wassey is going to paint a beautiful sunrise as you're driving to school so that you can see it, so that he can remind you that he loves you. As you're headed home, Brandon, you do look to see the sunset at the end of a long day. The Lord's going to paint a beautiful sunset because he delights in you. And some of you are really getting excited about this cool weather. And it's going to blow just a little bit cooler just for you. And there's a few of you that are grumbling already that it's getting cold. But don't you worry, in the spring he's going to send you flowers. Because he's madly, deeply crazy in love with each one of us. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Makes it easier to be obedient, doesn't it? When we know that he does it because he loves us. Let's stand together.